you know, I can knock a Modelo Negro over that lake and onto that green. You know I can, T-Dubs. Yeah, but all you need to do is have some water so you don't fall asleep on the pot again. I say you go for it, McCheese. Oh, no, here we go. No, not enough. That's not going to make it. Give me another. Please don't do this. You could still make it through the pod. Don't listen to him, McCheese. Nail this one. Another. Yeah, maybe that's enough. Another. Jesus, dude. Yeah, even I think you should stop now. I said another. Huh. Shit, that might, that might actually make it. Holy shit, he's done it. Good work. I knew this would happen. He's asleep again. Hey, don't let the moment define you, right? Tonight on the pod, we'll be discussing Tin Cup. So come on, McCheese. Wake your ass up. <laughs> Goddamn Nash Bridges. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the 127th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. That's W-O-B-A-M Entertainment. Tonight, in the final entry of our Hops and Sports Ball Flop series, we're refusing to lay up and going for glory on the 18th with 1996's Tin Cup. Tonight, along with me are the Finnish Symphony of Roy McAvoy, Chumpzilla. Heyo, let the big dogs eat. We've got David Sims's golf etiquette coach, Captain Cash. Listen, it's all in the hips. It's all in the hips. Easing the tension, baby. <laughs> Go ease uh, it on somebody else. Yeah. And the man who's set to define the moment, Mayor McCheese. Where can I order the TC, the sweaty TCU t-shirt? Oh uh, boy. Just about anywhere, I bet. <laughs> uh, that that dude's my favorite in the movie. It's a Texas institution. Met- have you met the internet? Yeah. yeah. Well, guess what I'll be doing during the pod is ordering up a couple of those. I'd like the shirt of the guy in Tin Cup who nearly has a heart attack caddying 18 holes. Can I, can I get that? Oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> Signed edition. Uh, so Points of Birdie, you can find the show on, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hops and Flops. You can find myself on Twitter at WriterTLK. Captain Cash, where can they find you? You can find me at CAPT. C-A-S-H on most of your social media. And hey, good to have you back, buddy. Yeah, so I kind of caught the Rona. So despite being vaccinated and mostly wearing my mask wherever I went. So everybody, please do those things so I cannot catch the Rona again. Fuck, that sucked. Chumpzilla, where can you be found? You can find me giving questionable golf advice on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. When you're not at teasers. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wait, what's the name of the titty bar in Tin Cup? It's Actually, called uh, Steel Brazier. No, I, no, I have no idea. I think it's the hole in one. Uh, it <laughs> would have been better, but is it is it questionable golf advice or borderline sexual harassment? Because his his entire coaching method is to grope Renee yeah. Russo. Yeah, drunkenly grope. <laughs> 
uh, Rene Russo. Yeah. Yeah. And considering he's like borderline homeless, it's not a good look for him. <laughs> hey, he won that or, or that uh, Winnebago off the random dude he beats with uh, fair and square. The guy that makes the uh, implements makes the off color joke at him. Oh, yes. No, nice that's pink uh, ball, Tim Cup. Well, he also makes a doesn't he make a off color Mexican joke about uh, I guess kind of the worst. Yeah. No, I'm not sorry he lost a Winnebago then. Yeah, not sorry you lost to a guy with a shovel. Uh, and uh, Mayor McCheese, when you're not... When I'm not shagging balls in West Texas, I am yeah, on Twitter when you're not, at uh, HBOF McCheese. Shanking balls directly down the line at a driving range. Those are called the yips. Um, and I have had them, but I don't play enough golf to give a shit. Yeah, I really thought it was it was clutch uh, in the director's cut of Tim of tin cup there's a director's cut <laughs> oh yeah you, you totally see uh cheech helping coach ed out of his yips oh that's good yeah yeah but turns out he's that. he's just like he's like the legend of bagger vance cheech just wanders out of center field to help matt leblanc's mm-hmm. deuce can we hey Super. i thought we i thought we had an off the pot agreement we would never talk about it again oh it's in our lives forever this is like it where we all shared this traumatic experience, except for Captain Cash, where now we're going to have to convince him to come back into the sore with us. <laughs> no, he he essentially faked getting coronavirus so he didn't have to be on the Ed Pod. Which I didn't think. I don't know. I don't know if, if that's to get, make ge- me get. If you try to make me get in the sewer with uh, an evil clown, I'm just going to slip my wrists in the bathtub. So thanks, no. I don't know if it was a genius move or. You know, one of those ballsy things that wishes bad luck on yourself. Hey guys, I'm, I'm really sick. I can't watch the movie where the monkey shits and farts all the time. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, when I'm you sorry. put it that way, I really I'm a little <laughs> sorry I missed it. Well, don't Captain worry Cash. for four for four dollars, you can go watch it tonight. Listen, yeah. I in real life I was that monkey. So yeah, we all get <laughs> monkey shits down here, Captain Cash. Yeah, turns out Ed is what brought Corona here. It just was harboring itself until now but oh like the outbreak monkey but yeah it was, a, it was a chimpanzee mickey mantle's chimp is what brought corona here so yeah basically uh it wasn't a lab leak it was a chocolate banana leak chocolate frozen banana leak oh god all right let's get back onto the golf okay maybe not the so movie. uh tin cup is free to stream on hbo max otherwise not anymore oh is it off now as of Watch- today Oh, oh man, we slid shit. right in there. Thank God. Boy, we did. I'm by to pay money for this. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess you got to rent it for $3.99. Let's talk beer. Uh, we're drinking Negro Medela. Any other fine cerveza, but Negro is, of course, beloved by Medela and is described as a Munich Dunkel style lager. This movie was filmed in several border towns across Arizona and other states Tubac, Nogales, uh, Tucson. So, we figured this with beer was a natural fit. Uh, apparently, its nickname is the cream of the beer. For some reason, not entirely sure. It does have a balanced flavor of dark malt, caramel, and hops. Let's toast to this movie and toast to this beer. This beer is a fine Mexican cerveza, and I would therefore I would give it three bad movies, no problem. Cheers. Yeah, I uh, I have no problem sitting through three movies for uh, Medela Negra. Absolutely. It, this is by far my favorite Mexican beer, hands it's down. It's good. It's very good. Yeah. It is surprisingly light for a dunkel. And it's 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 drinkability of just you're gonna 
chill out for on it like we three bit three bad movies is what six hours i don't feel like that's hard this is a three beer movie easy oh this is yeah three this movie, is a three movie beer or three beer three movie, movie beer three movie beer I this say. is a uh, sit on the beach and watch the sunset beer this is a it's a it's just a good beer so tin cup was directed by ron shelton who most notably directed uh, sports classics Bull Durham and White Men Can't Jump. Ironically, last week's film, Ed, also directed by a guy who ended up doing a 30 for 30 documentary for ESPN, and so did Ron Shelton. He did Jordan Rides the Bus. If you're not familiar, that's when Michael Jordan retired from basketball and played minor league baseball. It's actually a really interesting 30 for 30. Uh, if you're a sports fan, I think you'd like it because he was like the highest paid athlete in the world. And all of a sudden he's riding a bus with a bunch of other guys making minimum wage. It's a good documentary. Is this the part of the pod where we let Chumzilla wax poetic about his love for Bull Durham? Oh, no, we I don't Save think we have enough, later. I don't think we have enough time <laughs> for that. <laughs> kind of feel like it's going to happen naturally. It's going to happen at some point in time. The amount of text messages I've gotten the last week. I'm saving most of that for my recommendation, McCheese, but uh, it'll come up. Is your recommendation Bull Durham? It is. Uh, (laughs) If we let him talk about Bull Durham now, we'll be lollygagging our way through the plot. We'll be lollygagging our way through the uh, (laughs) remaining questions. Two hour and 15 minutes of golf. We'll be lollygagging our way through the quiz. And what does that make us, Chumzilla? That makes us lollygaggers. Yeah. Uh, so, Tin Cup, like Bull Durham, hey, stars, Kevin, dry land is not a myth. Costner, I've boy, seen it. Tin Cup <laughs> McAvoy. You've got Don Sonny Crockett Johnson as David Sims. Quick pause for. You mean uh, Shooter McGavin? Story time with the Thunderous Wizard. I met Don Johnson indirectly at a MMA event. Define uh, indirect. Oh my god, did you fight him? I said hello. Oh and okay. so the remainder was pretty of, direct. Yeah, but it wasn't like you know, I didn't take a picture or do anything. I'm not a big like I'm very scared to ask people for pictures. I really um, hope he treated you like he treats uh kids and dogs in this movie. <laughs> no, he was actually he was really nice, but then the remainder of this event, I would see him places and he was always eating popcorn. I don't know how deep this bucket <laughs> of popcorn was. And then at the end of the event, like three and a half hours later, all of a sudden he appears behind Fedor Emelianenko in the ring, eating popcorn still. <laughs> I like this mm. story. It was it was quite a power play for Don Johnson to just appear behind the winner of the main event, eating salted popcorn. <laughs> I, I, like I imagine him having one of those old school, like rectangular boxes of popcorn and just like leaning into Fedor's ear, like good fight. Yeah. Have you heard have you heard of Miami Vice? I was in that. Also, would, not, you like, if, <laughs> would you if like you're some not popcorn? busy later tonight? I have some DVDs we can watch you guys. Yeah, I've got I've got the VHS first season. <laughs> if you care to indulge. Where uh, was this event? Anaheim. Anaheim. Okay. Yep. yep. Uh, right on. We've also got Renee Queequeg's coffin, Russo as Dr. Molly Griswold. Welcome back, Major League Two and lethal weapon what, for uh, yeah why, why the moby dick reference there come on dude major league he shows up to her apartment you've got the romantic song she asks him how did he survive quick quick's coffin quick quick's coffin it's been a hot minute <clears throat> all right fair enough way to go it's, major league 
Yeah, exactly. Two. Uh, Two. <laughs> of course, Jake Taylor read the comic book versions of all these books that she had asked him to read, but that's besides the point. Still counts. Yeah. Yep. You've got Cheech up and smoke Marin as Romeo, and then several real golf pros, including a very young Phil Mickelson, uh, the walrus, Craig Stadler, Gary McCord, and several others. You've got two returning favorites of the pod, Richard Linebeck as Kurt. He played Arquette's dad in Rated Rumble. And Dennis Berkeley, this is the sweaty TCU shirt you've been requesting, McCheese, as Earl. And he was the litigious neighbor in Suburban Commando. Nice. The pod's most popular episode. Yeah. To this day, I it's dumbfounding. I don't understand, mm. but sure. Uh, so Tim Cup give it a listen, everybody. Yeah. Check it out. It's a great movie featuring Hulk Hogan as a spacefaring commando that comes something, to earth something something like share and subscribe something yeah something. <laughs> uh so tin cup opened in august of 1996 to generally favorable reviews and with 53 it's 72 percent on rotten tomatoes it's got a meta score of 60 it's also widely considered to be the second best golf movie ever made behind pod favorite caddyshack poor shit uh, this is just they've literally pulled golfers and this is their second favorite golf movie well happy gilmore yeah exactly i think there's a hierarchy and it goes caddyshack happy gilmore this movie i think if you were a professional golfer you'd like this movie better put it that way yeah they do just trying to burn up two and a half hours yeah i mean i get it happy gilmore is very explicitly He's an outsider throwing it in the face of golf or whatever, but eh. yeah, I don't think of Happy Gilmore though as being a golf movie. No, it's an Adam Sandler movie that is has that golf golf around golf. Around golf. Yeah. 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 Whereas this is most explicitly a golf movie about a guy who's kind of a scumbag, but a golf. What's that super? What's the super serious golf movie? The Legend of Bagger Vance. Damn it, beat me to it. Bobby Bobby Jones, Stroke of Genius. Wasn't there something like The Longest Walk or some shit like that? I have no idea what you're talking about. Mm, nope. I have no clue either. It might it's be a not like The Green Mile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not a golf movie. But could, but it's as be. magical Negro as Bagger Vance is, so I Wait, feel like it counts. Wasn't there that, yeah, what, that movie about the rain delay, the mist? Was that, was that a golf no. movie? The uh-huh, ending yeah. was uh, a yeah. Mm, yeah. So this is unquestionably the most successful film we've done this month. Uh, it opened at number one to like 10.7 million. It amassed 75.8 million worldwide, uh, 54 domestically on a budget of 45. So it's not technically a flop. Although when you get Kevin Costner, mid nineties, you probably want to make more than 54 on 45. So, yeah, yeah I, I I would say this pro- this didn't break even. No, uh, initially, but- I'm sure it did okay in the long run with like home video and and uh, cable rights and all that, but it didn't crush it at the box office. Definitely not. But it was also requested by a listener, so that was yeah. one reason we did it. So let's get to our one sentence descriptions. We'll start with the returning man, Captain Cash. This is the third best raunchy golf comedy i've ever seen okay uh mayor mccheese 
Compulsive overeater and degenerate Roy McAvoy, a.k.a. Tin Cup, enters the U.S. Open to win Rene Russo's heart? Wait a minute. That is Happy Gilmore. Compulsive overeater, degenerate, only plays golf to win the heart of a certain lady and pay off his his grandmother's mortgage. I mean, no one is accusing Adam Sandler of getting his ideas from anywhere else, right? I think that came up before this. Right? It's pretty close. What is it? Okay, hold, hold on. on. Let's Research department's on it. This was August of 96. Happy, Happy Gilmore is 96. Oh, shit. This is, is this is one of those like this came impact out. Armageddon things where it's, just, it's the exact same movie, just someone tweaked the script slightly. And honestly... It works better as Happy Gilmore because Happy Gilmore was released on February 16th of 96. See, there you go. Not not only did they make the main character more sympathetic in Happy Gilmore, they made the bad guy much more bad. Like Happy yeah. Gilmore was like, look, this is a dumb arch movie. Fine, here we go. I'll just add that Happy Gilmore only made 38.8 million on a budget of 12 so it was a success but it didn't make a ton of money either i'm kind of shocked i thought that would have done better at the box office but it definitely crushed it in distribution far harder oh, than this did I, like, i'm plus, sure I'm plus sure. it was ba- it was basically the launch of sandler and happy madison to just yeah. make whatever they wanted for the rest well, of his life yeah it tripled the budget i mean it more than tripled the budget so it made money uh, in the spirit I, of I, the spooky season, Hubie Halloween, solid Happy Madison production, came out last year. There you go. So, Jumpzilla, how would you describe this in one sentence? Well, this is a reference to one of Ron Shelton's other movies uh, that's not <laughs> Bull Durham. Or... Oh, shit. I was sure we were getting Bull Durham. Yeah, I was like yeah. pretty positive you were going to just <laughs> do that. Yeah, no, no, no. Or White Man Can't Jump. Hey, at least it's better than the great white hype, maybe. Yeah, so I, no, fair. I read about uh, that. He wrote the great white hype, and he did an interview where he said, like, very directly, I asked them to take my name off that because that piece of shit or something to that effect is not what I wrote. <laughs> For the record, I love the great white hype. So I, I've seen it. I remember being entertained by it, but it's incredibly stupid. Wait, that's the boxing movie, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, I, no, I love it. I Mr. Roper. <laughs> yeah. This is my this is my song, Mr. Roper, Mr. Roper. You're in shape, is you're it, round. Is it Ethan Hawke? <laughs> Who it's, is uh it? it's Peter Berg? Yeah, it's Peter Berg. Wow. Yeah, Peter Berg. Uh, and uh Damon Wayans and Damon Wayans uh, and, and Wayans Jimmy right. Fox in that. I actually like that movie a lot. We should have done that movie. I mean that that movie has an incredible cast. Samuel we Jackson. Listen, we get to listen to Mr. Yeah. Roper, Mr. Roper, the song about butt whipping. Uh, yeah, no, let, let's listen to this cast: Samuel Jackson, Jeff Goldblum, Peter Berg, John Lovitz, Jamie Foxx, Damon Wayans, Cheech Marin. There we go. There you go. Nice. Crossover. Yeah, crossover. A lot of sports. And, the, and it also it also came out in '96. You've wow. got Gimli, Son of Glowin. You got a lot of sports ball movies in '96. Yeah, yeah, quite the year. I'm telling you, the '90s are like peak sports movie territory. Uh, my one sentence description is: Kevin Costner stars as amazing golf ball whacker guy. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Schneider's a golf ball. Yeah. Rob Schneider is is Kevin Costner's 
stained what t-shirt hey i don't want to blow your guys minds but ed came out in march of 96 oh yeah no no so really kicking the year off with a bang the whole the no literally the whole year is sports ball movies the lawless ass 90s strike again is what what remind me the other two sports movies we have done beyond ed in this when Uh, did they come out mine was 1990 so oh, okay. nineteen ninety. The program was nineteen ninety three. Okay. Yeah. Nin- nin- really, though, right, yeah. we're in that window. Literally, like from nineteen ninety to nineteen ninety six. Yeah, was like sports movie. Here's, here's my theory. You know how it ended? Space Jam. Well, I mean, go out, like, all right, we're good. Go out on a high. That's a good point. Yeah, you know. So the actual IMD description of this is. A washed-up golf pro, uh, not necessarily true, he was never a pro, working at a driving range, tries to qualify for the U.S. Open in order to win the heart of his successful rival's girlfriend. Yeah, that's the movie. And yet somehow it's two hours and 12 minutes long. (laughs) Hey, um, I have to cut in here. Space Jam came out on November 15th, 1996. That's what I mean. (laughs) It was quite quite a year. It was November. They were like, oh, shit, this is it. That's we're done. I guess Jordan was in this one. $80 million budget. It made two thirty. I also, I I'd want to stress my life's greatest journey is to get a toon squad Jersey signed by Bill Murray. That is all I need in this world. That's I mean, that's going to take a lot. I bet you can get one signed by R Kelly. No problem. He's got nothing but time on his hands. He needs the money. (laughs) He needs the money bad. I don't think I want that again. Uh, yeah, no. Bill no, Murray no. <laughs> signed Toon Squad jersey. I would hang that on my wall of trophies. If it could say, I think I could be of some assistance, Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Yeah. I mean, he he's the MVP of that game. He plays 12 seconds and essentially sets up the entire play. So he's sort of the Phil Jackson of the movie, if you think about it. So let's get into the plot of Tin Cup. Uh, Roy Tin Cup McAvoy is sort of an aimless lush who spends his days bullshitting with his legion of toadies at his crummy driving range in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Hey, West Texas, okay. Yeah. That is until... Texas? Yeah. I mean, is there worse Texas? I don't know. What's... I don't think I've been to Texas in 21 years, so I have no idea. I mean, there's very nice parts of Texas, but obviously there's very not so nice parts. It's fucking huge. Yeah, yeah, that's apparently that's... West Texas is super dry, and there's tons of armadillos, right? Yeah, armadillos. Uh, yeah, armadillos. Yeah. Driving ranges. Last, last driving range four. F O R E. Dad jokes. <laughs> We yes. got puns. We got puns. Uh, anyway, hey, I just want to say I'm pumped anytime I'm watching a sports movie and it starts off with a POV shot uh, from the view of an armadillo. That's just setting up the stage. You know you're in for a treat when that's how your sports ball movie starts. I mean, you're in for something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. 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 And armadillos have leprosy. Just saying, they carry leprosy. What? Don't, yeah, don't no, that, that's 100 true. Don't fuck with armadillos. Yeah. Thank you, Jack Hanna. So, yep. <laughs> uh, Doctor Molly Griswold shows up 
to the driving range for lessons. And what starts as simple golf lessons soon becomes an obsession for Roy McAvoy, who right from here, listeners, if you haven't seen this movie, and I haven't seen it since 1996 or around there, he's not particularly likable. He's kind of a creep. I mean, can, can somebody explain to me why she shows up for golf lessons there as I, opposed right. to like the country club or something? As, no, I've, I've, a, got, I've got head yeah. cannon on this. I've got head cannon on this. My thought is that Don Johnson, so secure in the fact that he is better than Roy McElroy, has sent his girlfriend to get lessons from Roy just to be like, this is how hot my girlfriend is. Eat it, douchebag. Yeah. Just so he can show up later with the pity offer, which is what's coming. So the other central plot element to Captain Cash's point is McElroy's rivalry with golf pro David Sims, who's his former college teammate of his from Houston. Uh, Sims then approaches Roy with an opportunity to caddy for him. And that's where we get all the sordid history about Roy's self-destructive tendencies and David just kind of being an asshole. There's a reason they set him up as the villain. He could not have done that in a shittier way, knowing that Tin Cup is literally a washout and a deadbeat. He plays that whole thing up like they're going to be partners, and then at the last second he does that like, whoa, 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 dude. No, you're going to be my caddy. <laughs> oh, no, he's a total jerk. Also, he he's like, I'm going to pay you $100 for the loop. It's like... He's not a 12-year-old. Well, <laughs> to be fair, it's $100 and 5% of winnings. Yeah, but if he wins. Yeah, well, what does he have to do to win this random-ass charity tournament? Would yeah, how shit is it hey, to well, win your own charity tournament? Like, he's got to yeah. beat Phil Nicholson, work. who is a, also, com- yeah. he's a compulsive gambler on record. Also, it, it's just kind of shady to be like, I need to win my own tournament. I need to win the money I've put into this tournament back. Is like he also broke or no, no, no. Just Again, a money laundering operation. What's no, going it, on it, it ultimately also- it comes down to the fact that he's trying to be a complete dick and just wants to hire his old rival to be his caddy because he knows his old rival is in dire straits. I'm pretty sure these like charity tournaments donate all the money to charity also that right? <laughs> yes yeah or at least a large percentage yeah so i suppose he just wants the bragging rights to say he won and then, okay yeah but yeah I, like it seems fairly vindictive for uh sims to come out of the woodwork to basically torture tin cup <laughs> honestly we just call listen, him shooter I, i'd be more comfortable yeah no listen, shooter <laughs> they should have gone like that's the problem Don Johnson is appreciably more charismatic and just likable by being Don Johnson than Kevin Costner is at being Kevin Costner. Like that's, that's the problem here. Sims. Yeah. Sims sucks. And the movie sets him up to suck, but Don Johnson as an actor is kind of like, you know, I mean, he's, you know, he's not wrong. He's trying to like do a thing. In the first half, they, they set up, Tin come to tin cup to suck harder. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the crazy, and we'll get into it, but like the character of Roy McElroy is consistently like, You suck, you're an idiot, and this is only buoyed by Kevin Costner's charisma, which post Prince of Thieves is waning. Like, listen, 
Field of Dreams is like a fucking mile back. Kevin Costner, mm. you, you got to step this up slightly. Make me like you. It's it's tough, but let's, yeah. Let's anyway. Let's go on. It's so you get both of them are, are rather unlikable. You're right. The Sims is he's better at what he's doing. Uh, also, Costner's accent is terrible throughout the entire film, which doesn't help that he's also not likable. But anyway, I could have fucking told you that from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. Sims fires him on the 15th hole because basically he shows him up. They all bet like he's like, oh, I could make that shot. He does what Roy does consistently throughout the whole movie, which is sabotage his own life. Uh, Other shit happens. But essentially when McAvoy discovers that Molly, this woman he is now infatuated with, is dating Sims, he embarks on a vision quest of sorts to win the U.S. Open, to impress her enough to forget the fact that he lives in a trailer with his best friend and seemingly doesn't shower. <laughs> yeah. He does look super sweaty at uh, like a, a lot of various points in this movie. Mm-hmm. He looks like if you were to touch him, you'd get like a finger full of wax. Like, yeah. I don't know how to Just like... dirt. Yeah, and yeah. grime. It is really, yeah. you're like what do you smell like? I bet unpleasant. Yeah, but that's okay though, because Tin Cup may be an asshole, but he doesn't hate children, the elderly and puppies like Dave. So if if he does this very material thing, then this woman who he feels is only dating somebody for material things will then choose him, despite the fact that he will remain a shiftless loser, even if he wins this tournament. (laughs) I, I, I want to yeah, lean yeah, into yeah. this a bit because I think the joke on the elderly children and puppies thing, like it, it does play out, but I think they could have, they could have leaned into that harder because he's actually not a bad enough guy throughout. That's most what of the I've been saying. Tin cup is the bad guy. Like he's not yeah. particularly. I, well, there's, there's moments, there's moments where Sims does. He, he basically shuns the old and children and there's a single moment where that happened if they they would have played that up more then they would have gotten some you know some more comedy out of it considering this is this is this is essentially supposed to be i think more of a comedy movie than a sports ball movie well it it tries very hard to be a comedy it's just it's not as funny as i remember it but here's not good it's not good at it is what it is Uh, david sims is supposed to be bad because he doesn't like children whatever the elderly and dogs who here on this panel is going to convince me that Tin Cup wouldn't also eschew all of those people to sign the hot woman's autograph, which is what David Sims does at that point in the movie. Tin Cup is very clearly an egomaniacal piece of shit. You're telling me he's going to sign the young kid's autograph? Zero chance. He's doing the same shit Sims does. The only reason he hates Sims is because Sims went on to be a success and he's better than he is. They're yeah. the same fucking person. I yeah, n- I don't think anyone's going to convince you. They're the same, except for Tim Cump's self-destructive. You know, the one bad guy scene where they have uh, the two of them bet at the country club about who can hit the ball further with the seven iron. And that's where Shooter's going to be the bad guy because he tricks him by hitting the ball down the road instead of onto the driving range. That's supposed to make you not like him, but he's actually clever it's kind of a funny moment and he's really teaching 
you know, tin cup a lesson. And he actually gives him some pretty good advice. I, I like He's that whole behaving scene. Like, I didn't... like the bad guy, tin cup in that scene. Cause him and all his buddies are picking on the other guy. Like, Oh, you're such a wimp. You can't hit further than tin cup. And he does exactly what the hero would do in that moment is using his wits. He yeah. defeats him. It's a straight up guile hero moment. That's like, that's Odysseus levels of classic. This is what the hero would do in this moment. Rounding it back to the movie. Uh, if he is going to get it to the U S open, he has to win enough money to buy his golf clubs back, which he pawned uh, to pay off his ex. Who's a stripper at the, the club. We can't remember the name of. He does so by besting a club yuppie with some gardening tools and a bat. And here's my first big question. If you lost to a man, using a, a, a diamond head shovel and a baseball bat, would you not just quit playing golf? Would that be like, I think I'm, I think I'm good here. I just well, lost I, to a guy I, playing with a baseball bat and a rake. Well, well, first off, apparently he's also allowing him to drive by just like tossing the ball up and taking a swing. It's like, he's not even hitting the ball off a tee with the baseball bat. He's just toss it up like batting practice I'm like that doesn't seem like it's I, I, legit i love this scene i'm just saying i yeah. i already have yeah. a bad relationship with golf <laughs> i don't think i'm going to continue playing I, yeah. I just thought it was an excuse for costner to go hey remember that time i was in that baseball movie watch me hit a couple dingers i guess crash davis makes an appearance uh, i think i found it literally the uh the strip club's name is the golden tassel Okay, that's yeah, and, that checks out. And on when he's playing, his golf bag has a golden tassel logo on it, according to what I found. Ah, right yes, there. sponsored by uh, outstanding. There's a few scenes I really like in this movie, and as ridiculous as this scene is, I still like it. When he does the pull shot to sink the putt, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, it is good. So now he's got his clubs back. He's going to go on to win the regionals, but his worst instincts again come into play. Shall we discuss where he is again, the bad guy? Yeah, oh. the, the, he has a full-on meltdown when his caddy and apparently hetero, I guess, life mate, mm-hmm. oh, for Marin, sure, yeah. is like, look, here's what you need to do. Here's the club. Please use this club. And he has a full-on meltdown and snaps literally all of his clubs, save the seven iron. Uh, to be fair, Cheech snaps a couple himself. He snaps one. He snaps the driver. Yeah, he snaps the three wood. That's it. it this that's is a line the, in the movie. That was a line in the movie. Yeah. This is the scene where you realize that the only good guy is Cheech. because he, he really is, is. He's trying to look out for his best friend friend and like even to the point where he is physically forcing him into situations uh to make him better and it's not working out and cheech is the only good person here well his best that scene probably has some of the most emotional pull in it out of anything in the movie you you see the pain in cheech's eyes because his best friend is severely mentally ill it appears like he he's not going to do what's best no matter what like he's so self-destructive it's it's always going to come to a head at some point but yes he snaps every club still shoots par on the back nine and this is my biggest beef with the movie uh and this is my second big question as we get towards the end of the film is 
why does this movie continue to expect us to believe that this asshole would just be putting around like an asshole doing nothing and living in a trailer when he's the best golfer on the face of the planet? He's, he's getting pars on the back nine of a, of a full golf course with nothing but a seven iron. He's beating pseudo club pros with a, with a bag full of gardening tools. It's just ridiculous. So he's just like literally content making no money and living in this trailer when he's so good, he could literally qualify for any tournament he wants whenever he wants. That's what frustrates me so much about the movie. Like if he was a pro and he just wasn't winning because his worst instincts took control. Sure. But John Daly was on tour for like 30 years. And that dude was a train wreck. Cause apparently he's stubborn. Yeah. It I mean, just, he, it he just makes no sense. To. It makes no he wants sense to hang out and get drunk with his buddies every single day of the week and bet on the, the ponies and, Go to titty bars, I guess. Yeah, I mean, again, again, no, 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 that doesn't work because that's what John Daly did, and he was still on tour. He was drinking Miller Lights and smoking while playing on tour. I think John Daly was sponsored by Winston and Jim Beam. Yeah, yeah, and Hooters. Yeah, like there's just no reason this guy isn't a success. You know, the whole plot point here is just you know the lesson that we all should take away and, and learn from this movie is that. As long as a man has an extreme level of talent at a very specialized and highly exploitable skill, people will continue to give him a chance no matter what. And, and he that's can really be the as lesson awful here. As, as he wants to be. Yep. But he's Actually, just got I mean, that very specific talent that's easily monetized. So people are going to put up with it. Give him a shot. There's a lot of negative reinforcement in this movie that you could really I, deeply explore. Yeah, let, let's let's talk about it at the end of the film because yeah, let's keep again. Going. Like I'm going to keep comparing it to Happy Gilmore, but man, the main character does not change anyway at all. So amidst all this, Doctor Griswold is providing him therapy. I do that with air quotes. Uh, oh my their, god, their budding romance is all weird and. I, I think makes no sense makes no sense and doesn't work at all. Uh, nor it is, is it, very we're in love because yeah, Venus and I have a vagina and we're in the movies and it's the nineties. Oh, and you're Kevin what, Costner and I'm the woman in the movie. What it so. does is adds a fucking ton of time to a movie that's already way too long. Yeah, you know Honestly, what? This movie like, would have made more sense if a monkey had been trying to set them up. Yeah, now that, I, now that we're talking about it, I may want to go back to the monkey baseball movie. <laughs> Wait, has there been a monkey golf movie? Holy shit, I know how we're going to lose like several million dollars. Yeah, you know how we're yeah never going to work in Hollywood again, but we'll get that one golden chance, uh, Ed. T- but golf. Tin Monk. Yeah. Uh, so anyways. Jungle to Jungle 2. Yeah. Golfing Boogaloo. Monk Cup. McAvoy wins another tournament to qualify, which leads us to the best part of the movie. This is the U.S. Open. It's literally like 50 minutes of this hour and 12 minute movie. And I like the majority of it. Like he posts an open an 83 in the first round. He's playing terrible. He's got the yips because of his thing with Molly McAvoy. Then of course, finds his groove, not only on the course, but in the bedroom because Sims reveals himself to actually hate children, elderly and dogs. So she just, because she has no agency in the movie rushes to tin cup. All right. So listen, 
is does he find his groove in the bed because he very explicitly says i'd like to take a mulligan that's yes that's but then generally she, not a sign you've done well she says like oh no something something oh tin yeah. cup you're so great i've lusted yeah. after you for no reason you're 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 all that is man what do you think he smelled like gross cigarettes and whiskey and wild wild women no, no, no! Like Shannerbach and, and sweaty tube socks. Yeah, say he he smelled like cheap beer and like Axe body spray if it existed in 1996. Roasted armadillo. Uh, che- yep. Cheech Marin's aftershave <laughs> and a washed golf ball. He smells like a roadhouse bar about 30 minutes after it empties. I mean, all these things uh, I think are totally appropriate and applicable. <laughs> It smells like the uh, urinal <laughs> cake at the golden tassel. That's what he smells like. He clearly hasn't showered the entire movie, and he's just sweating nonstop in West Texas. Uh, to to smells, be fair, he looks he looks pretty cleaned up by the time he gets to the open. With his big old like, baggy khakis. <laughs> oh yeah, his hammer pants that he golfs in. <laughs> he's wearing some like. He's definitely uh, wearing some like uh, tin cup. Uh, don't know. hurt him. <laughs> <laughs> he smells like the trackball of a golden tea oh, arcade gross. machine oh. from a Hooters in Phoenix. Right, we have to move in on. 1998. We have yeah. to move but on. I, yeah. To the Thunder's Wizard's point, though, great. he does appear to be wearing like linen hammer pants by yeah. the end of the movie. Yeah. Can't Listen, it's Arizona. It's hot. <laughs> yeah. It is. Sorry, it's Texas. It's hot. Uh, he cleaned up his he cleaned up his look. I, I, I guess I gotta be fair. She doesn't just flock to him because Sims hates dogs and etc. Uh, he also does this amazing barroom chip that she prompts him to do, which by the way was inspired by an actual Gary McCord thing. When he chips and knocks the pelican off of that uh pier, yep. that was a thing that Gary McCord apparently did in a barroom bet. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, also, the ending is inspired by Gary McCord, too. So, uh, Kevin Gary Costner McCord wrote the ball into the water a billion times. Yep. He got a 16 on the final hole of the tournament. Oh, nice. Yeah. Kevin Costner wrote the four to his book, apparently. Hmm. And he also trained Costner. Costner was already a fairly decent golfer. Like, basically, every hit you see him shoot in the movie, he did. But he taught him how to sm- smooth out his swing to make it look like a pro. So, yeah, interesting stuff. So Tin Cup, after he gets laid, seemingly solves all his problems. Because, by the way, Tin Cup, for all intents and purposes, is just a 15-year-old boy throughout the entire film. Yeah. Um, yeah, he has no personal growth. Just getting laid fixes yeah, all his problems. It fixes like, everything. Therapy, no, 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 no. Just, just getting old DW. Yeah. He's and it's deal. totally reinforced at the end because he's still essentially homeless and has no goals or ambitions whatsoever. It's the only reason he goes after the U.S. Open is to try to bang Renee Russo. That's what I said in my one sentence description. Yeah. No, it's Gina Davis. <laughs> oh, no. come on. No. Okay, so he fires don't, off. Don't speak ill of Gina Davis on this pod. Yeah. She is a handsome woman. <laughs> so... McAvoy fires off a 62 and a better archer than Kevin Costner. 
All right. Sorry, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Which is a major step. That's a fact, though. That, that, that's just pure facts there. And yeah. then a 65 to set up the final showdown, which is what the movie is building to, sort of, because it really doesn't come to fruition in the movie. Uh, not nearly as much as in Happy Gilmore, for example, which is McAvoy versus Sims for Golf Glory. Um, after the break, we're going to debate the ending. But what happens, and I think this is really, I, I think it's the best scene of the film, but it's also the greatest indictment of the film, is that McAvoy, in a bid to win, hits his second shot on 18, which is a par five, into the water. And he continues to hit the ball, like our intro, into the water, until he's one ball away from DQing, and then he sinks it. So although he finishes with a 78 and six or seven shots off the lead, he has now made a shot that will live on forever. And Rene Russo, who's his therapist, is incredibly proud of him for that, for giving into his worst instincts and not winning the U.S. Open. because yeah, but he does qualify for next year's yeah and right? that's that's so... the end like he's back in his trailer living his aimless life not knowing what he's going to do with himself but he has qualified for a tournament a year away when literally he could go play in a tournament the next week but right it it's, is what it is again it's just another example that he doesn't have to grow or improve he's got just enough talent that they're going to give him another shot that's people keep supporting him because he's just good, just good enough to, to good just enough, keep keep throwing good money after bad. And gosh darn it, people like him. People the do. Thanks, Stuart. That we have storytelling is to watch a person realize where they've gone wrong and then to grow into something more. Except in this film where the main character does not change at all, just continues doing what he's doing. But for this, this time, it worked out. Sort of. I mean, sort of. And it's yeah, just, yeah. like, it's... Happy Gilmore explicitly has the, I have to do this last, this last shot on a putt, which has not been my strength, but because I have learned through the course of the film, I am now going to apply the lessons I have learned to win, and it will be an emotional catharsis for the audience. Instead, they're asking us to cheer for a guy who keeps making the same mistake again and again and again. But hey, this time it worked. Sort of. Fuck, that's terrible storytelling. Is that same mistake just loving Rene Russo? It's loving himself like he is <laughs> such a piece of shit throughout the whole movie. Thor's mom deserves love. Better love than Kevin Costner can provide. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, like literally, You know who didn't take a mulligan? Anthony Hopkins. He knocked it out and won like he was goddamn Brando because he's British Brando. Uh, so... We've got some questions coming up after the break, but before we get there, how many beers are required to sit through Tin Cup? I'm conflicted because I still enjoy elements of this movie, but everything we've said that's wrong with the movie is really hard to get past. It's, I mean, it's tough because it, I mean, it's not it's not bad. Nobody, no, there's no bad acting. It's just it's not a great story. Well. Movies are so dependent on having a lead that is likable and that you can get behind. 
Cheech. It's the only person not. that's likable in this is Cheech. Yeah. He's not <laughs> likable. Here's the thing for me. Um, this movie works a lot better if you just take that forced love angle out of it because it just makes no sense. There's no reason that a professional woman would have any, a professional adult woman uh, would have any interest in uh, Tin Cup, period. It just doesn't make any sense. They, they have to write her like a total, they have to write her like a total idiot for that love angle to work. And, it, okay. and she's a freaking doctor. So, you know, that's the reason I'm going to give this movie four beers because uh, it's two hours long and you just have to you have to be able to numb your mind to make the love angle work. And the problem is to, to Captain Cash's point, that's pretty much Tin Cup's whole motivation. So the whole movie, although it's a golf movie, it's really about wooing uh, Rene Russo. And that's like the weakest part of the film. If it was yeah, just about yeah. Don Johnson, Kevin Costner, you know, battling each other and Kevin Costner having to come to terms with his hetero life mate Cheech's concern for his well-being, the movie would have been pretty solid, but that forced love angle just kind of wrecks it. I'm going to piggyback and say I'm I'm in the same four. One pain, well, no, wait. One enjoyment for, like, the scenes that I actually did enjoy, which is, like... I mean, there are elements of the movie that are fun. Yeah, him hitting that shot over and over again and a lot of cheat shit. I'm in one beer, three pain beers, so... I'm in it four beers, especially for being over two hours. This movie does not need to be over two hours long. It's ridiculous. It drags. Yeah. 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 Captain Cash, what do you think? No, you know, I, I'm, I'm in four, maybe five, depending on how much you like golf. And I don't give a fuck about golf. So, but again, it's not bad. And Kevin Costner still remains very like, He's still very charismatic and kind of fun, even when he's sleazy. I mean, not enough, not enough to actually carry the movie the way he needs to. But every 20 minutes, you're kind of like, oh, wait wait a minute. Maybe I'm having a good time. And then you get like, you know, a stretch of 30 minutes where you're like, ah, God damn it. What? Well, you're I mean, we're also seeing it in a telescope. I think back in 96, it's probably more enjoyable, but. Watching it, what, God, 25 it's years It's a very later? different lens in 96 where you think like his behavior is a lot more charming than it is, and it's not. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. It, yeah. It doesn't I mean, age well. You know what? It does not age great, you know, it's like milk. App, like Happy Gilmore does this exact same plot, but they went uh, just a little more arch on yeah, I know this guy's got self-destructive qualities, but he's actually really good-hearted. And this guy is actually, and this other, and the antagonist is just a full-on dick, like, all the time. You don't like him. Yeah, but That's this all movie, this movie needed. This movie could not be a Happy Gilmore. It's not that level of comedy. Like, there's, no, 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 I, I there, agree. There, there are some quirky ha-ha moments in this, but it is not Happy Gilmore at all. This is kind of, it's... It's a weird muddling of sports movie, romantic comedy, and just straight comedy. I would agree with that. I mean, this is very, it's doing, not to totally ruin Chumpsilla's recommendation, but it's, it's trying to be Bull Durham with golf. But the big difference in Bull Durham was that he's golf, essentially, golf Durham. he's Nuke Lelouch. He's the guy you don't like. Like, yeah. Nuke sucks. He's yeah, terrible. It, it, you don't like that he's going to go to the show. You want Crash to go to the show. 
Yeah, and and even Nuke, you know, Tim Robbins' character shows growth by the end of the film. There, there's yeah, an arc he's, there. He's less that, douchey. Uh, yeah, by the end. I mean, that's the whole the, the, yeah. the whole point of the movie is to get to that point. Um, this movie lacks that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely plot elements here that definitely seem like they're calling back to Bull Durham, but it doesn't do any of them nearly as well. Yeah, when uh, I mean, when you break this down to its baser points, the movie is essentially Tin Cup plays a couple rounds of golf and steals Renee Russo. That's it. Uh, for for reasons that are inexplicable. And honestly, because yeah. like, yeah. I'm he still smells like you know dumpster water. Like yeah. he's the, he yeah. smells like the so, stuff that like that pools in the bottom of the dumpster. And yet a doctor is like, mm, yeah, okay. give me some of that. We're gonna we're gonna get there because that's a question. But uh, okay. okay, I will just say two and two two enjoyment because there are scenes I love that still work within the context. I think some of the dialogue is still rather snappy. But so much of it is just off-putting and like is totally unbelievable and doesn't work. So four beers for me, two and two, two enjoyment, two pain. This movie did not hold up as well as I was hoping it would put it that way. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our beer bros over the beer tent on the 18th green at Hop Nation USA. And when we come back, we've got some lingering questions about Tin Cup. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Hello and welcome back to the 127th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wabam Entertainment. And we are talking 1996's Tin Cup starring the great Kevin Kastner. Uh, We have a few lingering questions to go through before we get to our quiz. And the first being, is this movie better if Tin Cup wins the U.S. Open? We'll start with Captain Cash. No, because then there is no second act all is lost moment there needs to be a like a oh no it's not going to work out for him and the way this movie is structured the only way you can do that is by having him fuck up in the u.s open okay uh yeah uh chumzilla yes it is but with one big caveat and that is that he has to uh lay up and swallow his pride and show personal growth and then that actually would make for a better movie but that's Agreed. not that's not what this movie is it's yeah, that's a huge yeah. change to the plot of the movie i'm gonna yeah. piggyback on that when i answer but uh sure mary cheese what do you think no i'm in the same boat as uh chumpzilla that's the only way to change it but i don't see that being the change that happens in this movie mm-hmm. for me in like a Hollywood traditional Hollywood sense, of course he wins, but that would have required him to start showing signs of progress as a human being a lot sooner in the movie. This movie ends the only way it can end. Yeah. Like he's not going to change. This is who tin cup is. You just have to live with it. That's the movie's entire message. Like, look, all his friends have learned to live with it. And so do you audience. (laughs) <laughs> that that feels less like a comedy and more like a tragedy though that's yeah I, well, the I, movie I tell you, is sort of tragic in a way like yeah he did qualify for next year's u.s open and he did get the girl but 
when we get to my next question, like, are we to believe that Molly's going to stay with him forever? <laughs> well, I mean, they kind of like they make reference to the fact that Molly has not made maybe the best choices when it comes to, to the terms of her dating life, where she's mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I hooked up with a cowboy and that's how I got out west. And then mm-hmm. I decided that real estate wasn't for me. So I got my doctorate, I guess. Yeah. It's normally um, how that's normally how educational decisions work is where you just bounce around dating people until you find a profession that you're good at. Yeah. And then and then pursue a doctorate she, on a whim. She literally has no agency. It's it's no. kind of it's they do her pretty dirty throughout the entire movie. She's it, entirely it, codependent on two humans yeah. who are awful. I mean, yeah. this movie wants you to cheer for like the stubborn bad boy, but he has no redeeming qualities. And, and she basically admits as much that she's a sucker for his thing and she can't help herself. Like, well, no, it's she, not, she, it, it, she, she's sort of self aware that he's like, he's self destructive and I can't change him. You just do you, Tin Cup. No, she she goes through the the whole speech about how like this is the first time she's throwing caution to the wind and that's something that she might need to do in her life but like i don't think that tin cup is the throwing caution to the wind as much as he's imploding and dragging you down with she's regressing she's going backwards she's dating worse people and then she becomes an enabler effectively how long is she going to date this guy because here's my answer literally within the week when she's sitting on a couch sharing a a trailer with another man who's his roommate and, and she's, you know, she's going to her actual job and realizing like, he doesn't do shit all day. She's she's driving out of West Texas by the end of the month at the latest and not looking back. Yeah, I think I think it wholeheartedly depends on if Tin Cup is now on a like, I'm going to go driving range, driving range to driving range, scheming people in longest drive contest. <laughs> and she drags him along with it. Or if she's just like, Ah, fuck. Um, hey, good times, but I got to run. Ooh, ah, yeah, they both become grifters addicted to the rush of scamming people at local driving ranges. <laughs> that's okay, pretty listen. much where she is by the end of the movie. Her, That's where her headspace is. She this seems is very the, impressionable. It's the prequel to Happy Gilmore. They definitely break up in the first act until Kevin Costner or Adam Sandler meets not Veronica Vaughn. It's the, Vicky Vale. That the, Vicky Vale Vaughn is one piece of ace. It's the mom from Modern Family. Sophia Vergara? No. The other, <laughs> mom, the other mom. I forget her name. She was in Joe Somebody, though, with Tim. Uh, also, shout out to Joe Manganiello, you beautiful man from Pittsburgh who just loves D&D. So what, so what you're telling me is, is that Ren, Rene Russo leaves him and Tin Cup yells through the trailer door, I saw those finger pains you brought home and they suck. Yep, 100%. And then he starts singing, I want to kiss you all over. And the next thing you know, the stripper, his ex-girlfriend shows up in the doorway till the night closes. <laughs> 100%. That is the thing that happens. Uh, I, you know, again, she has no agency. <clears throat> Poorly written character in the movie. The only person that calls out Tin Cup and the only scene in this movie that has any emotional pull is when his caddy 
Cheech, Romeo loses it with him and snaps the clubs. That was actually a well-acted, powerful scene because that's finally somebody telling him, like, dude, you've got to change. We can't sit by and watch you just melt down. He like, was, he was you, really good. You've too. got to do this for yourself. We can't, we can't watch this anymore. We can't participate yeah. in this, or I can't. You know, is what Cheech, Cheech, is Cheech is the best actor in this movie. Even at the end where he's getting his sexy side on doing the tango with the strip club uh, owner, you're just like, yeah, Cheech, get it. Yeah. Cheech is yeah. really good. And hey, one sympathetic character. He, uh, yeah, you, know, you have to like somebody in this movie, and it's either TCU shirt guy who dies apparently during his caddying stint or Cheech. He, uh, they wanted John Lake Wazamo. No, 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 no. It doesn't work with him. That no, not I think it's got to be Cheech. Obviously, Cheech being in this movie is why we got Nash Bridges as well. So it's sort of a win-win if you like Nash Bridges, which I, I don't know. Um, here's, something, <laughs> here's something I wanted to bring up earlier, and I totally forgot, because this is really going to get McCheese going. Guess who was up for David Sims? Was the favorite, who they wanted? Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Is it the British? Is watch. it the British Open then? I don't know if I'd be able to watch this movie through. Yeah, I mean, like it's that, <laughs> the that amount big, of blood wait. loss that would happen in McCheese's head. <laughs> wait, when, when did Mrs. Doubtfire come out? Was it '96? Oh my god, I think it was '94. Did Hold everything on. happen in '93? '93. Okay. We're, we're okay. It was '93. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan comes straight out of a volcano to hit a two on the. A, a, Right. Finish with an eagle on the final hole of the U.S. I Open. don't know if you would have a podcast with me being more aggressive towards the quote-unquote bad guy, where I'm like, "Well, why would you fuck with Pierce yeah. ever?" So, okay, so what in, kind he, of woman leaves Pierce Brosnan? Yeah, so Pierce is coming off of Goldeneye in '95. Uh, in '96, he starred in the disappearance of Kevin Johnson. Okay, um, wait, 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 stop as stop. himself That's before you go any further. Uh, yeah. Who's who's James Bond in this movie, and who's 006 Trevelyan? Because in my mind, Tin Cup is clearly Trevelyan, and Don Johnson would be 007. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, does that not tell you everything you need to know about Tin Cup? <laughs> like, I, I suppose. Um, but uh, yeah, so the dis- that must be a documentary or something. He plays himself in that. Whatever. Uh, hold on, hold on. Before, two before, faces, before... and more importantly, in '96, Big Cheese Mars attacks. So. I want it on record in case she ends up listening to this. Mrs. Mischiegas watched this with me because she remembers liking Tin Cup. But several times during this movie, out of nowhere, she just kept going, Thomas Crown Affair was better. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it was unquestionably. I don't think that they don't link up at all, but I agree with her. I mean, plus Pierce Brosnan. Brosnan. So she's just getting she's getting Gina Davis and and Don Johnson confused with uh, Pierce Brosnan. And she's getting Renee Russo, Renee Russo and Adam I, Sandler I, I, confused. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah basically. Okay, here's a pretty important question. Can you guys think of an? Is it actor... really important? Honestly, yeah, it, it's it's important. <laughs> Can you guys think of an actor who's had more fun making good to decent movies than Kevin Costner? Who he likes baseball. He's in Bull Durham. He's Adam, Sandler. Adam Sandler. Adam yeah, Sandler has it, made it, all the, the movies. The answer is Adam Sandler. It, he's right. Okay. All right. 
That's no, good. Kevin Costner, no, 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 Kevin no, no, Costner we, did have quite the run though through the eighties like, and nineties. He literally that guy was, just, was in everything. He, if he we do made, take Adam Sandler off the board, then it does become a tough question. Kevin Costner literally made for love of the game because he wanted to see how many like young people he could strike out. He threw every frigging pitch of the movie for love of the game because he wanted to be a pitcher in a movie. <laughs> like he made Tin Cup because he likes to play golf. Do we, My I mean, answer I'm, though, I'm, I'm assuming you is Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise oh, is essentially that's... like like yeah. courting death at every moment and is only doing movies where he can do the most dangerous shit imaginable. Like he did yeah. 200 halo jumps for Mission Impossible 6. I mean, maybe you could do Keanu because he actually really bought in hard to John Wick, but that's only one series of movies. That doesn't really span several different like genres. He did, he did Man of Tai Chi simply because he likes martial arts. And he, I think he directed it. So, like, he's there, having there, some there fun has to be, like, if we put our minds together, there has to be literally a laundry list of like 20 actors, actresses that uh, they just do movies because they are interested in the topic. Yeah. I just think like Kevin Costner's had a lot, like, he kind of ruled the 90s. And from what I read about this movie, he had been divorced. Don Johnson had been divorced. So, literally, those two just screwed around getting drunk and playing golf. The entire no, like I, I don't think I don't think it's for the record. I don't think it's one of our questions, but like I think this movie could have been done so much better if it just had a little bit better script writing, and like you kind of realign the characters to one singular villain and like a comeback guy, and follow those through. The problem is a, it's a '90s movie, and all '90s movies required romantic subplots and this well, movie not, I, suffers for the romantic subplot pretty hardcore i'm not worried uh, about the romantic subplot like if if tin cup ended up being like a down on his luck like literally got shit on a bunch and like fought his way back one renee russo but at the same time won his way onto the tour i think you'd like the movie a lot better like he defeats don johnson he you know still has the you know titular moment where he hits all those fucking shots but Somehow that gets him into the next tourney. And he's just not like a random, like blase meh, piece of shit. Like, I think the movie works out a lot better. Just imagine <laughs> if The Longest Yard had a subplot where Burt Reynolds was trying to date the warden's daughter. It's like, no, it doesn't work. Like, this movie's great because he's the underdog playing against the guards. He's not necessarily a great guy. And he's not affiliated with the greatest guys, but you're rooting for them because the other people are worse. Like that's all this movie needed. Yeah. I, I think that, this is kind of a stretch, but bear with me here for a second. T-dubs. Uh, you know, one thing about the end of this movie that bugs me is, yeah, you don't see a lot of personal growth in Tin Cup, right? He's sort of, everyone's sort of enabled him by the end. The ending kind of lacks that bittersweet it's like a happy ending like hey like he gets the girl and he's got a shot he's got his mojo back and all that it it lacks that self-awareness that you get like at the end of slap shot where where paul newman's character hey i got a chance to coach another team i can keep living the dream but it's like kind of sad and tragic he's telling his ex-wife and she's like yeah you you do that i'm, I'm sure it's going to turn around for you this is going to be great this next time you're going to go coach a hockey team in a steel mill town that's going to shut down in a year but no you're, you're right you guys graduate you know yeah exactly it's just it's just that little moment of like 
you understand oh, he's wait. a little he's a little desperate and sad at the end. You don't get that with this movie. There's no like, oh, 10 cups still a loser. No, it's like, yeah, he's he's going to do it this time. And that just doesn't really fit the tone of the movie, but that's how they try to end it. Yeah, so I mean, I think we've had a lot of valid reasons and that's probably why this next question will be unanimous is where does 10 cup rank in your pantheon of golf movies? Captain Cash, you've said third. I agree. It's behind Happy Gilmore. I have a much more nostalgia and affinity for that movie than i do this one what do you guys think is there, i mean I, I, yeah i'm not a golf movie guy it's not as good as caddyshack uh, uh it's not as much fun as happy gilmore so i guess that's three by default are there other golf movies I mean, well again, better I, than bagger vance bagger, i remember I mean, liking bagger vance a lot but I've it's been a long it. time caddyshack too definitely better than that it's, the, it's yeah yeah it's not a it's not a bad movie it's not it, a bad it, movie it, it has a lot of good qualities the the whole issue revolves around the main character being as unlikable as he is yeah which just yeah <laughs> i mean and again you look at the poster for the movie and it's it's aw shucks kevin coster in a backwards baseball cap you know being caressed on the arm by Rene russo like it's like that's the movie sells itself. It's like, hey, this is about Kevin Costner wooing Thor's mom. Yeah, except and, he's supposed to be. He behaves like he's twenty five years younger than he is. So right, and it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, yeah. Let's head to our second break. We're going to hear from our wrestling buddies over at the Double Turn Podcast, and when we come back, we've got our trivia challenge to be hosted by Chumpzilla. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Hello and welcome back to the 127th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wabam Entertainment. We are on to the quiz portion of our show. Chumpzilla, take it away. Well, welcome to the Golden Tassel Trivia Challenge. Tonight, gentlemen, we have the standard format, five questions, multiple choice, and the winner walks away with the deed to Roy's dilapidated driving range and a dance with his favorite stripper. I mean, I I'm going to give the deed back. Nope, I mean, I'm in for both those things. I want yeah. Uh, your chime-ins tonight are Let the Big Dog Eat, Grip It and Rip It, or any of the pod standards. Good luck. All right. Question number one. Don Johnson would go on to star with Cheech and Nash Bridges later in 1996. What other member of Roy's posse appeared as a regular in Nash Bridges? Was it A... Earl Buckley, B, Lou Clint Myers, C, Rex Dewey Lynn, or D, George Jose Perez. I'm going to shoot. What you got, McCheese? Is one of those guys the TCU guys? Earl is I, the TCU guy. Yeah, that's uh, Dennis Buckley. Earl. I'm going to do with that one. A, that is incorrect. Ah, Captain Cash, Thunderous Wizard, shot. can you steal? Got to shoot your shot. Do, do you need your remaining answers? Yeah, remaining I, answers, I did not yep. watch Nash Bridges. So. 
One of these guys is a character actor that you, when you see his face, you recognize him, I'm sure. Lou Clint Myers, let's be. C, Rex Dewey Lynn, or D, George Jose Perez. Let the big dog eat. Give me Dewey. Give me Dewey. Captain Cash, you are correct. It was C, Rex Dewey Lynn. He's like a cop in a ton of stuff. He looks like a cop. He's like the one like straight laced looking one of the bunch. Wait, yeah, he's got the cop he, face and the mustache. Who is he in Tin Cup? He's the, the straight, the straight, yeah, the guy. He's just the, one of the posse, the toady yeah. posse. Yeah. Bald guy, mustache. Then, cop oh, okay, mustache. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it. Okay. Hey, that's one point for Captain Cash. And we head into question number two. Pop quiz. After Roy's blow up with Romeo, his caddy. What does he shoot on the back nine with just his seven iron and his rock hard cock? Is it A, a 29, B, 36, C, 39, or D, a 42? Let the big dog eat. Thunderous wizard. Should be 36. That is correct. B, yeah. 36. All right. Somebody was paying attention. All right. That's generally uh, a par is 72. So. Uh, yeah, that, uh, that gives you one point T dubs. And we're going to go into question number three, the memorable scene of tin cup hitting the water hazard over and over again before finally making the shot was as the thunderous wizard alluded to earlier, based on an occurrence at a real golf tournament. How many strokes did it take to clear the water hazard in real life? Was it a seven B 12, just like the movie C 14 or D, 15. Ooh, uh, I'm going to shoot. What do you got for us there, Mary McCheese? I'm going to go with seven. That is incorrect. I was really basing that on running out of balls like they do in this movie. I don't know if that's a yeah. real thing in golf or not. No, it, that, that's what I was going to go with. To, totally is, yeah. I think I think if you run out uh, of balls... Oh, you let me bag, die in the no. sword? Thanks, Captain Cash. Uh, let the big dog eat. T-dubs. I, I know he shot a 16... So I'm going with 12. That is incorrect. What? Can you steal Captain Cash? The remaining answers are C14 or D15. 50-50. Ah, oh, I'd go with 14. A drive, a 14, and then a putt. Uh, no, yeah. A drive, a 14, and a putt. Give me 14. That is incorrect. It is oh, D15. Sorry. I'm sorry. It took, it took Gary I McCoy tried. 15 shots to clear the water hazard. Like 15 okay. actual whacks at the ball or like a, a hit and then a penalty. I, I I think he I think he cleared the water hazard on his 15th attempt. I think that's that's the way I read that. Like, now, how many a, strokes I'm... did he take to clear the water hazard at 15? In the movie, it's 12, but in real life, well, it's 15. Well, every time you drop, it's a stroke. So when you hit, it's one, and then you drop, it's two. And you hit, it's three, and you drop, it's four. Yeah. No. Well, that's why I was sort of surprised. I thought he would have taken 12 to get over, including the penalty strokes, and then whatever. But 15. Who knows? Yeah, 15. Whatever. 15 wax the ball. That's Curry Q mustache, listeners, in case you're wondering. He was a yes. famously entertaining member of the – PGA Tour. Mm -hmm. and, and, and as uh, T-Dubs has indicated, he does make a cameo in this movie. All right. Well, I think we're tied at one-to-one -one right now between Captain Cash and the Thunderous Wizard. And we head into question number four. There is a yearly charity golf outing in Wisconsin called the Tin Cup Open, 
where all players are required to play exclusively with a seven iron, in what charming Wisconsin town is the tournament hosted? Is it A, Appleton? Is it B, Green Bay? Is it C, Eau Claire? Or D, Howard? Farts and tarts, none of the above. There are no charming towns in Wisconsin. <laughs> While that might be technically correct, that is not the answer we were looking for. Damn. Thunderous wizard, Mayor McCheese. What uh, say you? Farts and tarts, Eau Claire. That would be C and incorrect. I'm sorry, Thunderous Wizards. Mayor McCheese, you've got three options here. A, Appleton, B, Green Bay, or D, Howard. I mean, I should have two options except for Captain Cash fucked me. I will go with Appleton. That sounds quaint. Uh, and that would be correct. Yeah! Open is, in Fuck fact, yeah. hosted in Appleton, Wisconsin. I have been to all of those towns. Okay. So quaint. Yep. Oh, hey, we've got a three-way tie here heading into question number five. Hopefully somebody can pull out the win here, assuming they can clear the water hazard. Okay, number five. There is a Waffle House reference in this movie. So here's a hash brown-related question. What is the proper term for ordering hash browns at a Waffle House with mushrooms? I'd like the Would greasy you? shit, please. <laughs> I like to dump uh, my which pants. Greasy shit? That, that, is that, I want the greasy shit, please. That's just ordering literally everything on the menu. Can I get the skid mark special? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will have the flesh of pigs. Okay. Again, the question is, how do you get your hash browns ordered with mushrooms at a Waffle hell, House? Well, well, TV timeout. Who the hell orders hash browns with mushrooms? Well, that's why I went with this because the other, I mean, for those not initiated, the Waffle House hash brown menu has a, 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 a basically a dictionary definition of how to order them. Depending, I didn't on what realize you, you could them. get mushrooms in fucking hash browns. Yeah, so there's there's like a code that you use to order your hash browns by stringing these phrases together, and that tells the waitress what all you want on your hash all browns. Right, give it, give it to us. Let's go. <clears throat> yeah. So to get mushrooms, would you order your hash browns a chunked, b capped? C, smothered, or D, covered? I'm going to shoot. Uh, tarts. Yeah. Hey, that goes to Mary McCheese. Capped. B, capped. That is correct. Ah. And I, folks, I we have. That was it, yeah. We've got a winner here, folks. Congratulations, Mary McCheese. You I don't know if I've ever won a Golden Tassel trivia, trivia Challenge. I, this could be a pod first. Who knows? This uh, is a really uh, big day for you because now you've won. Yeah. You've won a defaulted uh, driving range in West Texas, so and a lap dance. Don't don't ruin my good time, shithead. Okay. Yeah. Also, congratulations, McCheese. Probably cart, defaulted. Cart, cart cart boy gets five or uh, uh, what do they call him in the movie? The uh, the cart boy gets five bucks an hour. The kid who picks up the balls. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. something something guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's, that's half the fun of going to like one of those top golfs or whatever. You try to hit the guy driving the cart and he pulls out. Listen, it, I can tell you this. I'm an awful golfer and uh, I'm very accustomed to hitting the ball in the water as many times as 10 caps. So I can appreciate that about this movie. Uh, <laughs> so let's get to our recommendations for this week. Uh, we'll start with Captain Cash because I'm sure with his couple weeks off, he has a lot to recommend. That oh, aren't man. named DuckTales or The Expanse. Listen, the first thing I'm going to recommend is that you go get your COVID vaccine, please. 
and to wear a mask when you go places so you cannot infect more people. But for your eye holes to absorb some comedy and intelligence, uh, Netflix recently put out a, a documentary hosted by Rob Lowe called Attack of the Hollywood Clichés, which is basically like TV tropes, the website, the documentary. And it's fairly fun. If, if you're kind of interested in why we tell the stories that we tell and why certain things keep cropping up, this does a semi-good job of explaining it. All right. I had but not, again uh, heard of that. So, But again, get, get vaccinated, you absolute dickheads. You know, I find it the most ironic that the person who wears masks recreationally as well as like practically was the one who got COVID. But yeah, I mean, you're always he says mask. He means I, I cosplay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't say. I do say. Chumzilla, <laughs> uh, uh, what's your recommendation? Oh, well, this is an easy one for me. Uh, since we're talking about Ron Shelton movie here, uh, if you want to see a movie that does all the things that Tin Cup tries to do, but does them better. Go watch 1988's Bull Durham. Again, written and directed by Ron Shelton and starring Kevin Costner uh, and Tim Robbins and his mom. It's a good movie. It's definitely a, a classic sports movie. And it's a good film as well. It's it's not like a meathead uh, uh, sports comedy. It, it's, it's actually, a, it's a decent film. It's a great baseball movie too. Like if you love baseball, it's just a very good baseball movie. It, it is. And it definitely, it goes to great pains to be a baseball movie and, and kind of, you know, the church of baseball effectively is, is a character in the movie. So yeah, check it Indeed. out. And I think you can find it streaming free a, a lot of places. It's uh, it's on Paramount Plus for free. I started watching it the other night. I went on a big Ron Shelton kick, which is what my recommendation will be as well. Uh, Mayor McCheese, what do you recommend? Ooh, listener, the Great British Baking Championship is back. Started last Friday. Every Friday, new episodes. I love this shit. I will watch it nonstop. Bake Off. Well, that was a curveball. <laughs> I did not see that coming. You don't think I like baking shows, son? I love baking shows. <laughs> I did not <laughs> see that coming. Uh, so my recommendation is my Ron Shelton guilty pleasure. It's Hollywood Homicide. It stars Harrison Ford as the old curmudgeon cop and Josh Hartnett as his Josh Hartnett. <laughs> Whatever happened to that guy? Is, did he just like turn into Josh Durhamel? Josh Hartnett. He no, literally no, that's Timothy Olyphant who turned into Josh Durhamel. So, anyways, Josh Hartnett is his whimsical partner who'd rather be an actor. I love this movie it is not particularly good but i really love it it's on stars right now captain cash get your ears perked up it's on stars right now for free <laughs> otherwise it's a 299 to 3.99 rental i of course own it because it's great it's great <laughs> just i gotta throw this in there thunderous wizard i was looking at uh i was looking at uh, shelton's uh you know uh filmography and this really cracked me up. This seemed very pot appropriate. Apparently, he was the executive producer on a uh, 2016 biopic, Spaceman, about uh, Bill Spaceman Lee, the 
a former big league pitcher who was kind of an oddball character and counterculture figure <laughs> and playing Spaceman Lee is Josh Duhamel. <laughs> well, there you go. There you yeah, go. Hey, so, no, you, go. you pronounce that wrong. It's Durhamel. Durhamel, yeah. It's a... Uh, he's a know, twin Rick, with Timothy Olenfant. Yeah, he's, he's the guy that plays Rick Flagg in The Suicide Squad. No, it's Basically, not the no, same yeah, they're, they're exactly uh, the same three people. No, wait, which, which one's Bang and Fergie? Durhamel. That's, that's Duhamel. Anyway, uh, I'm actually fairly sure that Hollywood Homicide ate up whatever cachet Ron Shelton had. Because at the beginning of the movie, it, it says like his production company. And then at, at like you look at his filmography after Hollywood Homicide, it's not great. I think like he was like, oh, I'm going to write this movie about Hollywood and cops. And there's a lot of really funny stuff in it, especially considering where it's based. But I, I do think it killed whatever cachet he had left. Oof. Uh, so remember, you can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and VO Flops. You can find myself on Twitter at WriterTLK. You can find Captain Cash at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H and in a plastic bubble on most social media platforms. Uh, you can find Mary Cheese at HBOF McCheese on Twitter and Chumzilla at Chumzilla8 on Twitter. And remember to check out Wabam Entertainment at wabamentertainment.com. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to like, share, and subscribe and share your ideas for future episodes. Because if you love movies like the person who recommended this movie did, and then we kind of shat all over it, we might shit all over your favorite movie. So. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Might. No, we definitely yeah. will. So, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's a glowing reason for yeah. someone to give us movies. So in the end, sex and golf are two things you can enjoy, even if you're not good at them. I That's debatable, Tim Cuff. <laughs> I think it's debatable. I don't enjoy golf at all. You know, you were the best at golf when we were back in high school. You used to play I'm with so an actual hockey stick putter. It hurts it was... my back so badly. When really? I... <laughs> this is what hurts your back? Yeah. Golf? It's definitely not the sex. That and carrying your dead ass <laughs> through this episode. That's what hurts my back. All right. So we'll see you next week for the premiere of Hobson's Spooky Flops, I think is what we're going to call it. Sure. The long gestating hey. episode event horizon <laughs> booyah oh i'm super God, excited to talk terrible. about event horizon. where we're going eyes, pod yeah. listener you won't need your eyes you won't need whatever your that eyes. line is or roads you know what you know your taste buds because you're gonna need a lot of beer <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>